Yeah, about 20 years ago, uh, I was sitting with a small group of pastors, and uh, there was a man that was talking about church growth and talking about expanding the kingdom, and he was giving some church growth principles, and I couldn't write fast enough. I remember there was just a connection, and he was teaching, and I was writing as fast as I could, and, and then he mentioned a book. I want you to know today that one book, one song, one scripture verse can change your life. And when he mentioned that book, something just left in me, and I said, i got to go get that book. And I, I left that meeting, I drove down to the Christian bookstore, and I stood there in an aisle at the Christian bookstore, and I literally read almost that whole book from cover to cover. And that made such an impact to me. And, and being a church planner and a person that had moved from, you know, it wasn't, this church wasn't our first church plant, but just to have the heart of God to see his kingdom expand. That book's made such an impact. And you are here partially today because of the impact that that book had on my life. And then about 16 years ago, our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, which is the largest charismatic Pentecostal fellowship of the world, uh, we have a gathering every two years, and uh, our gathering is meeting this year here in Orlando. And 16 years ago, our fellowship also met here in Orlando, and our church, we had just started, we were in Altamont Springs, which you guys know is quite a few miles from here, but we had just started meeting in a great big movie theater. We had three families that had moved from Seattle with us, and uh, we had this theater that seated 500 people. And within about four or five months, we had gathered about 50 people or so, and we were grateful for what God is doing. But there were a group of young people that came from around the country, part of a ministry called AIM. And uh, we had about 35 kids that joined with us for one week, and we knocked on doors, and we handed out flyers, and, and we cleaned bathrooms, and we did all kinds of servant evangelism projects, and we invited people to church. Something happened that week that broke open the doors of our church. And we literally, within the next month, we went from 50 people, in one month, we went from 50 people to 170 people. And by January, the third week of January, I still remember, January 20th, the year 2000, we had 217 people. Seven months. Come on, give God a great big hand. And when I heard that, uh, I heard that uh, our fellowship was having our great big gathering it's going to be taking place this week. I heard that we were going to be having to get here and again in Orlando. I said, I know who I want to get. And I called your office. I called your office well over a year ago because I don't want anybody else to steal you. So. But uh, this morning, we have an incredible man of God, a, a man of great faith, a man, a man who's ministered all over the world in small churches, big churches. He pastored at one time a, a large church, and now he's a pastor of thousands of pastors. And uh, it is a great honor. We've had pastors here today. He's brought his great friend Rick with him. Pastor Rick, your last name? Pastor Rick Allen with him. And, uh, but Pastor Alton Garrison today is a man of God, a man that today we want to give honor to because the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. And I want you guys to welcome Pastor Alton Garrison to the City Church stage. Come on, let's give him a great big hand. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Eugene. What a great honor to be with you today. Do you want to be a legend? Or do you want to leave a legacy? Big question. Big question. A lot of people just want the accolades for themselves. Don't be a legend. Scripture, we're going to talk about a guy today named Moses. And he mentored, passed on to Joshua 
a tremendous legacy. But you don't read where Joshua passed it on to another. And in the book of Judges, there was such a problem following the administration of Joshua that the Bible says they did what was right in their own eyes. City church is ordained by God. Oh, we want you to do legendary things. We want this new church to be packed and jammed and go to multiple services and then get bigger and bigger. As long as there's one lost person in this whole region, city church is never big enough. Never. But our goal is to pass the faith as long as the Lord tarries to every generation. I had no idea that something I did 20 years ago would have an impact on your leader. There are many fingerprints on his life. But I can tell you. <laughs> I don't want to be presumptuous. But I today. Didn't know it till today. But I am going to get. At the judgment seat of Christ. Part of the reward. For everything that happens at City Church. Is that not, I mean, it just hit me. Maybe I'm kind of, it, it, it's, it's overwhelming to me. I don't deserve it. I didn't even know about it. But God can use you in ways that you could never imagine. And that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to give you three words that kind of will guide us on our discussion today. You may want to write them down. First word, it's kind of the grace concept. None of us would be here if it wouldn't be for God's love. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. If you've been changed, if you've been altered, if you are not the person you used to be, it's all because of grace. Everybody has got a story. Everybody. My dad was an alcoholic. He was 37 years old, high school dropout. Everybody had given up on him. He was drinking. He was so dysfunctional, he couldn't hold a job for very long. Everybody gave up on him but Jesus. They didn't think he, would worth, he was worth anything, he would mount anything. But one day, in one split second... Now, I understand that there's many ways to sobriety, and there's 12-step programs, and there's all kinds of things that can be very helpful... But I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe that there is a supernatural capacity, an ability, that one minute you can be bound and the next minute you can be free. And that's what City Church does. It creates hope in the hearts of people to know that where you are, you don't have to stay there. Because I'm going to amplify what you're already talking about moving forward. Now, you're going to physically move. That's good. But there's some issues with that, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit. But you need to personally move because you don't want to stay where you are. God is never satisfied with status quo. <laughs> Everything he creates grows unless there is a deterrent or an impediment. That's what this church does. It takes the weeds out of your life by the conviction of the Holy Spirit so the flower can blossom. 
That's what you can become. Grace. I call it impact. That's that moment of impact where God's power hits your sin. And all of a sudden your sin is gone and you've been changed. The second word is very important. It's called power. There's just stuff I can't do. Now, you'll hear people say in the natural, they're motivational speakers. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Not true. I cannot dunk a basketball. I mean, I want to. I've got faith for it. I believe for it. I'm excited about it. I can't do it. So we're not talking about what you can do in yourself, but the power that I'm talking about is an impartation of God's Holy Spirit that when you run out of your resources, you're going to run into His. That's why we tell you about God and we use all these big theological terms like Jehovah Jireh. You know what that means? Your provider. We're going to talk about the children of Israel in just a minute. And these are guys who walked in the wilderness for 39, 40 years and their shoes didn't even wear out. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now, I love this church. I've never been to a church that gives you chocolate in the third service. So if I'm a little wired today, I'm not used to having chocolate this early. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can't come back next Sunday, but I'm going to see if they'll give me a bag to take with me. <laughs> Impartation. That's that power. The anointing makes you more than you are, helps you say more than you know, and helps you do more than you can do. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. My dad was an alcoholic. He was a high school dropout. I guarantee you nobody dreamed he was going to be a preacher. But within six months after his impact, God imparted a special grace, power in his life, and they appointed him pastor of a church before he had preached his first sermon. <laughs> now, it was a little church. It had small beginnings. They began with three families. Don't ever criticize small beginnings. But with God, we're moving forward. Now, my dad never pastored a large church, but God blessed him. And he stayed, he and mom stayed in that town for 22 years. And Johanna and I went there just recently and did an anniversary for that little church. I hadn't been there in over 30 years. I preached on the same stage of a school where I got my high school diploma. That's amazing. That's that impact. The third word is more about process. It's about process. We don't like process because we like to be zapped. We want everything instantaneous. We want it, we want, we're event driven. That's what we are. We go from one event to the next. One event. But God wants you into a process. He wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, I won't go there right now, but you can write it down and look at it later. It says, we are transformed into His image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory by the power of the Spirit. So that's the third word. It's image, and it's more about process. 
my wife is not here today. She's written a book, and it's out there called Tangled Destinies. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, her dad was a survivor of the Nazi Holocaust. Uh, his dad was killed in a German work camp. His mother was blown up in a bombing raid where the Allies accidentally bombed the wrong village. And instead of liberating this innocent Dutch village, it was destroyed. And her father, when he was just a teenager, was the only survivor. The only remains of his mother he found, they lived on a houseboat docked in the Rhine River, was a little piece of scout floating with some hair attached at her Bible. At that moment, walking the streets of that village, him being the only survivor, you can't imagine the trauma. You can't imagine the grief, the overwhelming despair. He bought into Satan's lie, and he clenched his fist, holding the remains of his mother toward heaven and said, You're no God to me because of the loss in my life. And Satan, he bought into Satan's lie. If God really loved you, here's Satan's lie. Why would he let this happen to you? You ever heard it? When you go through a tragedy, why is there war if God is so powerful? Why is there ISIS if God has all this ability? If he's such a God of love, why is there cancer? It's his lie. But I can tell you, God is not intimidated by a hard heart. <laughs> it's a miraculous story. He survived two concentration camps. Then he became a member of the Royal Dutch Army. Then he was sent to Indonesia because they had colonized Indonesia. And while he was there as a guerrilla fighter trying to put down a revolutionary by the name of Sukarno, he actually had a chance meeting with a Chinese Buddhist girl. They fell in love. And she was raised not only in Buddhism but in an occultic environment. He was... A European soldier. Her parents disowned her for marrying this European soldier. It's, it's, it's quite a story. But they get deported from their home and from that country back to Holland. And literally demon spirits. Well, you know, we don't think a lot about them here in the U.S. But this is a culture. It's very mystical. Demon spirits trailed her all the way back and tormented her. She lived in fear. She was couldn't sleep at night. Her husband was bitter and angry. Their marriage was falling apart. Children were being born. It was a mess. And one day somebody says, Jan, that's Johanna's mother, you need to go with us to Amsterdam. We're going for an outing. She thought they were going for a party. They actually tricked her they took her to a Billy Graham meeting <laughs> now this little Buddhist girl who had never heard a gospel message in her life ends up in this service and Billy Graham said Jesus is going to come down and appear to you and I don't know if he said it prophetically or just something he says and Jesus literally in a vision came and came up in touched her on her head in this vision and when he gave the invitation she walked down that aisle of Chinese Buddhist walked back up that aisle of Chinese believer changed by the power of God that's impact she began to pray for her husband who was bitter and angry and the Holy Spirit helped her even though she knew nothing about it and he got saved and when Johanna was 10 years old they immigrated to the United States to a western Kansas town and that's where I met her can I tell you today she's got a brother that serves in an Assemblies of God church she's got a sister that's on a staff in a church in California she's got a brother that pastors a church in uh, Grand Rapids Michigan and, and all of that you talking about legacy God can use you. I said, God can use everybody in there. The strength of City Church, everybody in this room, in the second service, in the first service, even when you don't feel qualified. 
when I was eight years old, Dad came to me and he said, you're our new pianist. I said, I'm eight. I mean, it's a little church, but I'm eight. He says, we don't have anybody else. I said, but I only know one song. He said, no problem. We'll sing it every week. <laughs> then he said, if you'll just sit there on that piano bench and pray for God to teach you how to play those other songs while we sing them a cappella. Now, you know what a cappella means. It's just a Latin word. It means we don't have a piano player. That's what that means. <laughs> So I'm just trying to illustrate to you today that whatever Satan tells you, you can't do. You're too young. You're too old. You're too rich. You're too poor. You're not qualified. You're not educated. Come on. God wants to use everybody. He doesn't want you just to get saved and get stuck. He doesn't want you to sit and soak and sour. He wants you to sit and soak and serve. <laughs> That's tweetable. <laughs> I try to put a tweetable statement in every service that I didn't put in the other one. <laughs> I'm trying to get one in my mind. No, I just, <laughs> I'm just telling you, eight years old, God used that moment when I was totally unqualified. And today, God wants to tell you he didn't care about how you want to be a legend. He just wants you to be able to pass on something to somebody else. It's called the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Is that okay? He said a moment ago, one book could change your life. David played away the evil spirits of Saul with a harp. So music is not just for entertainment. It has power. And God has used the music that he put in me and the talent he gave me. I had to study. I studied 10 years of classical music. I, I, I know I, you got to work sometimes. Process is not fun. Wouldn't it be easier if he just hit you with a magic wand and suddenly you were mature? <laughs> you have to work. I'm just trying to inspire you today to tell you that where you are is not where you're going to end up. <laughs> There's so much more waiting out there. God's going to do such great things. And the devil's going to fight. But you're going to get victory. Well, let, let me play.
His truth is marching on. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let me just close with a, about three or four principles that I think are important. You're on a journey. Personally, maybe in your marriage, as an individual, in your business. You're on a journey as a church. Just let me mention a couple of resources while you're turning there. I mentioned Johanna's book. It's, it's really neat. There's a seven videos embedded with QR codes. You can actually see Johanna's mother. She's 85. Tell the story in her own words of how Jesus appeared to her. It's inspiring. If you have someone that's struggling with some of the problems of, well, you know, where is God when you need him? Do you need to have faith, courage, hope? This book is a blessing. There's also a CD back there of me playing the song I just played. What a friend we have in Jesus, victory. It's just some of the old songs. Plus, I tell two stories. One, how God will deliver you. My dad was not only an alcoholic. One day he had an accident. His neck was broken while he was pastoring. He was totally paralyzed. He, the doctor said he would never walk again. Couldn't move a finger. Three months he lay paralyzed. Jesus came into the room one night, touched his vertebrae, and God healed him. He walked back into that church and was changed by the... I believe God's still a God of miracles. I tell that story, and then there's another one about my mother and hope and faith. It's, it's all, they're all out there. They're $10 a piece. And uh, put them to you, Rick, since I don't want to forget them. Rick, good to have you. Rick is the National Director of Light for the Lost. You don't know what that means. He leads a movement and a whole group of people all over the nation that raise money for evangelism literature to give to missionaries to help them overseas. They raise about $6 million a year. They fund this fire Bible that is in over 43 languages of the world right now that has a whole... It, it's amazing. i, I got to hurry. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord our God. Now, now, this is important. Moses, it's one month before his death. Here's this guy who's been trained to be a deliverer. Anointed to be a deliverer. Born to be a deliverer. He's been with these people 40 years. They have taken an 11-day journey and turned it into a 40-year experience. Because of some negativity that was infused into their psyche by ten people. It's amazing. He is about to die. But he's standing in this moment, casting vision on the plains of Moab at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And look what he says. The Lord our God said unto us in Horeb. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey. I came here today, and I believe God has anointed me to tell you, symbolically and realistically, in your faith world and in your reality, you have stayed here long enough. <laughs> now, 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 that has implications. We rejoice in what God's done here on Airport Road. Nobody says this is a bad experience. We got to get out of here. <laughs> he didn't say this is a bad mountain. He's talking about Sinai. 
That's where he encountered God. That's where the Ten Commandments were given. This is a phenomenal experience of God's glory and power. But he said, I'm not going to stay here. And you're not going to stay here either. Because where we are is inferior to where God wants to take us. Our harvest potential here is inferior to the harvest potential God has for us at that next location. We've experienced wonderful miracles here. People have been saved at these altars. People have been married in this church. People have been buried out of this. But I'm telling you, as wonderful as this is, you can't stay here. I said you can't stay here. We've got to move forward. Let me give you some principles really quick about the importance of this journey. Number one, the credibility of the mission is not determined by other people's opinions. Let me just tell you, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just going to tell you that as exciting as it is when you get over to the new property, there's going to be problems. I mean, something's not going to work. Something's going to break. You're going to find something you didn't know was there, that you wish it wasn't there, but it's there. You're going to have to deal with stuff. And somebody's going to pop up and say, ha, that's not have been God's will. If it had been God's will, we wouldn't have so many troubles over here. We need to go back where we know, over there where the glory was. <laughs> Just because you have a problem does not mean you're out of the will of God. It means the devil's fighting. <laughs> somebody said, well, I've never run into the devil. Don't tell me that. You very rarely ever run into somebody when you're going the same direction with them. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to talk to this side over here. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You may have some problems. When Moses went in to talk to Pharaoh and he had held the children of Israel captive for 400 years and God said, Moses, go tell them to let my people go. And he walks in there confident that God's on his side and he describes what's going to happen to Pharaoh. And God says, let my people go. And guess what Pharaoh said? No. No. <laughs> His no did not affect God's yes. And his no is devil's no is not going to affect God's yes about city church. I could go on. The spies said the giants are so big we can't go into the land. Another no. Caleb and Joshua said, but with God we'll all possess this land. Moses said, did you see the size of those giants? Look how scared they are. Caleb and Joshua said, don't you see the size of these grapes? Look how big they are. <laughs> you can be giant conscious or you can be grape conscious. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Number two. The journey is always more difficult than first perceived. You may not think it's going to be tough, but you will have to work. It's going to be process. I said it while ago. It's going to be process. We like events. We want to be zapped. They got out there. They didn't have anything to eat. Pharaoh had chased them, even though he said he's going to let them go. I mean, you think about it. But when you face problems, even though it is difficult, you serve a God who has the ability to help you. <laughs> That's why he's called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides 1,500 tons of manna every day. You give them that much manna, they got to have water to drink, they'll choke on the manna. <laughs> 11 million gallons of water a day, that's how much it takes for these people that are out there, nearly two and a half million people. 
Somebody calculated in today's economy, $6 million a day. God didn't do it for one day, five days, or ten days. He did it for 14,600 days. That's how long 40 years turns out to be. Added up, 21,900,000 tons of matter, 160 billion gallons of water at $6 million a day for 14,600 days. That's how long 40 years is. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? I'm serving a God who's so big that you're not going to run out of His supply. He's got more than enough. God's assignment, here's the next principle, is not limited by personal deficiencies. An eight-year-old boy can become a church pianist. It doesn't matter. You may seem unqualified, but when God qualifies you, nobody can disqualify you. My dad was an alcoholic. He was not a candidate for preacher. He certainly wasn't a candidate for pastor. But he stayed there and God used him. My mother-in-law was a Chinese Buddhist. She still serves God and influences people. And her whole family is serving God. Can I tell you, it may seem improbable. It may look impossible. But this Bible is filled with people that were impossible. Moses stuttered that wasn't a good leadership gift. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. That won't look good on your resume. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. That'll hinder your ministry. Uh, Gideon doubted. Thomas doubted. Come on. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Great men of God had some big flaws. Elijah was burned out. Jeremiah, great prophet, depressed and suicidal. Spent all of his time looking for Dr. Phil, trying to pop a little Prozac. Wait a minute, that's not in the Bible. I made that up. But I can tell you, he was depressed. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? Moses, it's the chocolate, yeah. Moses had a short fuse. Paul had a short fuse. Peter had a short fuse. Look around. There's a bunch of imperfect people in this room that God has said we're better together and we're going to move forward because we're city church doing what God is. Look at somebody and say, you know what? You're better than I thought you were. Let me close. You're going to be all right? <laughs> she about to lose it right there. <laughs> Failure is never final. You fall down, get up. We love you. God loves you. You fall down again, get up again. But success is rarely instantaneous. It's a process. When they got to Canaan, guess what? All the manna stopped water stopped and they had to go to work there's still giants in that land I said still giants in that land Caleb was 85 when he said give me that mountain I'm not going to sit by the creek and grow vegetables and kick back in a cracker barrel rocker I'm going to fight the devil (laughs) it's time for you to move forward (laughs) you say well Moses, he failed. He failed as a leader. He failed to get them in. He failed to go in with them. Yeah, he didn't make that mountain. 
But if you look at Matthew 17, 3, he made another mountain. Go to the New Testament. Jesus is standing there, transfigured, glorified. Two Old Testament characters have time traveled over to be with him. One is Elijah and the other is Moses. He got his mountain. You may have some stumbling to do. You may hit some barriers. But I can tell you that with God, all things are possible. And everybody in this room has a next level potential. Why? Because you're moving forward. You've been touched by grace. You've been powered by the Holy Spirit. And you're moving toward His image. Not mine. Not His. His image. Stand, please. Guess what? He has the provision. He's willing to give it to you. You got to go first. If you confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what the word there is operative? If. 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 You've got to go first. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's the operative word? Whosoever. You've got to go first. In other words, what do you mean? Alton, what do you mean? I mean this great, great, glorious gift that he wants to give to you cannot be unwrapped until you ask for it. So you got to go first. Whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe. Prayer. So if you're looking for a next level experience, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, Forgive me of my sins. You've never done that. That's your next level. He's not willing that any should perish. If you have never been water baptized, that's your next level. If you've never been spirit baptized, you don't have a prayer language. You know, if you understood the value of praying in your prayer language, you would, it's the greatest devotional tool you could ever have. You know why? Because praying in a prayer language, praying in the spirit, the Bible calls it, is the only prayer you can pray that you cannot insert your own agenda heavy that's what God's all about he's wanting to take you to a new dimension what's next level for you you never witnessed to anybody that's your next level you haven't brought your neighbor that's your next level whatever it is if you want a next level experience and expression I want you to step into the aisle and come and stand down here right now I want to pray a prayer over you before Glenn comes whatever it is you want to change your life? You want to change your future? You want to change something in your life? Come down here right now and let's let God have a chance to perform the miraculous. Come on. Come on. I won't keep you long. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything at all that would hinder you. But Jesus, His power and presence. Isn't that neat? God loves reachers. He loves reachers. Ha, ha, ha.